Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. Uh, today we're going to be talking about joy, because if there's one thing about Christmas that a lot of us know is that you will see the word joy more times after Thanksgiving than any other time in the year, right? Uh, you see the word joy when you walk in the store. It's, it's lit up in lights. It's written on cards. You'll get it as a Christmas card. You'll, you'll see the on billboards. You'll see it on signs. You'll see it on social media. You will see the word joy more times now than any other time of the year. But not only that, not only will we read the word joy, see the word joy, but we will also sing about joy, right? Like, like our faith is a, is a faith of joy. We sing about joy all throughout the year, but specifically at Christmas time, we sing a lot about joy. We'll sing about joy in our car as we're listening to the Christmas station, right? Or, or we'll sing about it at church. We sing a lot about joy. In fact, even joy is one of the themes of the Christmas story. Eight different times joy is used to describe the Christmas story. But the reality is there is a difference between joy and happiness. See, happiness depends on what's happening to you. It's your circumstances. It's the situation that you find yourself in. That's happiness. You have happiness while you are in those situations, in those circumstances. I like to think of Disneyland. Disneyland is known as the happiest place in the world, right? Like, and, and so when you're in Disneyland, it's like, man, I'm so happy. You're all about it. And then when you leave and you see the bill, you go, man, I got to go back to Disneyland and get me some more of that happiness, right? Because when you're in those circumstances, you're happy. But when you leave and it leaves, then, then you're kind of left empty. You're, you're, you're feeling like there needs to be more. But joy is rooted in who God is. In fact, I, I love this definition I read this week. It said that joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of every detail in my life, and ultimately, everything will be all right. Now, I don't know what you think of when you hear the word joy. I don't even know what brings you joy this, this Christmas. It might be getting family together. It might be not having family around, you know? It might be the food. It might be the lights. It might be the songs, might be the gifts. I don't know what brings you joy this Christmas, but the reality is Christmas time, this time of the year, for a lot of us, can be one of the most difficult times of the year. It can feel empty. It can feel like there's a void of joy in our life. I think because joy is a theme of Christmas, we try to figure out how to manufacture this joy. How can we have joy? I mean, it, it is the spirit of Christmas. Like we see it everywhere. We go, well, I have to have joy. It's Christmas time. And so we try to figure out how to manufacture this joy. But when we try to manufacture it, when it's gone, we kind of are left empty again. I believe today that joy can have a comeback, not just on Christmas, not just in December, but all throughout our lives, through all throughout the year. In fact, the title of today's message is Joy is on a Comeback. Joy is on a comeback. This week, I, I read many different articles about comebacks. Like, I was thinking about that word, and I thought, man, we love a good comeback story, right? And so I started reading some articles, and some things that I found was that um, clothing, certain items of clothing, is on a comeback. If you, are, if you remember the 70s, flared jeans are apparently on a comeback. So I hope you held on to those flared jeans that you have. I also read that the all-black look is back, so I'm pretty excited about that one, you know? I couldn't be more thrilled about that. 
I read that uh, retro hats and sneakers, like anything from the 90s that's kind of older is coming and having its comeback right now. I also read, and I don't know that I believe that this is true, but the grunge look is on a comeback as well. But, but even more so than clothing, I also read that songs are on a comeback because of TikTok. So I don't have a TikTok, so I got to believe that this article is true. But, but what I read about these songs is that because of TikTok, older songs are coming back. And so one song that's very popular is Fleetwood Mac's Dreams. I don't know that song. Uh, it's, it's not one that I'm very familiar with, but the other two I'm familiar with. Uh, Run DMC's It's Tricky is on a comeback, and Black Eyed Peas Where's the Love is on a comeback as well. Now, when I was thinking about a comeback story, I was thinking of this guy that some of us will be familiar with. He was uh, one of the greatest of all time basketball players of the 90s, then retired and went to play baseball for a while and then quit and came back to dominate the rest of the 90s. We all know him to be the great Michael Air Jordan. Like That's who I think of. He had the greatest comeback uh, of the 90s. But I also thought of another guy. He was a two-time world champion boxer, a gold medalist, uh, but then he found himself, as he retired, to uh, find himself to, to get bankrupt, like he was going to lose all his money. So he had to reinvent himself, and he found a way to kind of market this new invention called the George Foreman Grill, and that would forever change our lives, right? Uh, he had his own comeback. But this week, we're not going to talk about sports. We're not going to talk about music. We're not even going to talk about how the George Foreman has changed many of our lives, and that's why we have to wear black so much, right? Like... We're not going to talk about that stuff. We're going to be talking about the fact that joy can have a comeback in our life, but it can have a comeback specifically at Christmas time. But like I said, when we look at our lives, sometimes we wonder, can joy really have a comeback? Because for some of us, we can feel emptied of joy. We can feel emptied of joy because of the loss of a loved one, a health diagnosis that we had. Life or circumstances didn't go the direction we thought they would go. Or we look at our world and we wonder if joy could have a comeback. Because much of the language, much of the narratives that are online right now, it seems like joy is pretty uh, pretty sparse. Here's what I found to be true, especially in the times that we're living in. It's easier to grow more jaded than it is to grow more joyful. I don't know if anyone else knows this to be true, but it seems like we live in a culture of cynicism over celebration. There are just seems to be so few people looking to build people up, and it seems like there's so many voices out there looking to tear others down. And what I've noticed over the last two years is things have gotten really hard in our world. For a lot of people, the response of our culture has just been to harden our hearts. And so on one side, we have culture that in many ways just seems to be defined by the difficult realities of our time. But then on the other side, we have the church, the response of the church, which in many cases seems to deny the difficult realities of our time. And in the face of hardship, the temptation for a lot of people of faith isn't necessarily to give up on joy, but to buy into a cheap artificial version of joy that kind of just ignores all the difficult things, the tragic things, the hard things that go on in our life. And and in the church world, we just say, well, turn that frown upside down. You're a Christian. You need to be happy. You need to be joyful all the time. And so you go and you live your life as if it's this Hallmark movie when that's the furthest thing from the truth. And so to me, sometimes it feels like we only have two choices. We can either go the way of culture, which either seems to have no joy, no joy, 
or puts it in the completely wrong or hurtful things. Or we go the way of church, which means to embrace a false artificial joy. That's why I think it's so important that every year we come back to the Christmas story. Because the Christmas story, we are reminded that joy doesn't have to be unreasonable. Joy doesn't have to be unrealistic. But the Christmas story is a reminder that even in the most difficult, hardest, darkest of times, true, genuine, deep joy is actually possible. I think sometimes we don't really understand that this was not the most joyful time of the year when Jesus was born into. There's a lot of similarities between their time and our time. And so I believe just as they could find true deep joy, we can as well. See, I believe the closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to joy. And so we're going to read one of the most famous passages of the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. And this week, as I was reading it, I was like, man, it is sometimes hard for these Christmas stories to fall fresh on us. Like if you've grown up in the church like me, you've read these stories over and over and over again. And, and even this has been made popular by Merry Christmas, Charlie Brown, right? You got Linus up there reading it to all his classmates, you know? And so sometimes when we read this story, it, it's hard for it to fall fresh on us. But my prayer has been that as we read Luke chapter 2, as we look about how we can have this deep, genuine, authentic joy, as we look at the Christmas story as a whole, we will see how as we get closer to Jesus, we get closer to joy. So Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 1, it says, In those days a decree went out from, uh, from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinarius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Verse 6, and while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. To understand how this wasn't a joyful time for the people living uh, during this, this time when Jesus was born, you need to get a little background, a little history. Because uh, at this point, God's people were living under the occupation of the Roman Empire. Rome had seized their cities, seized their homes, and they were living under this oppressive foreign rule. Uh, The census that's mentioned in verse 1 is actually an example of that oppression. One of the forms of Roman cruelty was heavy taxation. And a lot of us could say amen to that right now. Like, we feel the heavy taxation, right? 
But the Roman Empire was always looking for ways and reasons that they could increase taxes and get more money out of their foreign subjects. And so the census that's talked about is really just a way of Rome to justify the ever-increasing tax burden on God's people that'll put them further into debt and put them further into bondage to this Roman Empire. Now, I say all of that to say at this point in the story, God's people are having a very tough time. They're living under this oppressive foreign rule. Their land, their finances are all being taken taken advantage of. See, at this point in the Christmas story, God himself has even been silent for a very long time, yet it's into these very dark, very difficult times that Jesus is born. And when he's born, what does the angel say to the shepherds? Well, look again at verse 10. It says, fear not, for behold, I bring you, pay attention to this phrase, good news of great joy that will be for all people. Good news of great joy. What I'm trying to get you to see in our first point today in this Christmas story is that joy is a response to the reality of Jesus. Joy is a response to the reality of Jesus. It's good news of great joy. Again, life was hard for God's people. Life can be hard for us in our culture and what we're facing today. But when Jesus showed up, joy showed up. Now, it wasn't like all these people's problems were gone and they magically disappeared and they were like, wow, this is great stuff. No, they still were facing their problems. They were still in a troubling time, but because in Jesus, God stepped into their problems. Joy at the first Christmas didn't come from humanity denying their difficult reality. Joy at the first Christmas is when God stepped into that difficult reality. And this is a totally different version of joy than this hallmark Christianese denial of all pain and suffering. Joy in Luke 2 is a natural response of Emmanuel, God with us. When God is with us, joy is in us. And I don't know about you, but I can't think of a more relevant message about joy than this. Because for many of us, we are walking into this Christmas much like God's people were walking, and we're walking in very difficult realities. I don't know what it looks like for you. I I know for me, it's the stress and anxiety that comes with the fact that my current circumstance is not my ideal circumstance. Or maybe for you, it's just the fact that you're so overwhelmed this time of the year. You got family coming in, you might be traveling. You got to get all the gifts. You realize there's only two weeks till Christmas. I haven't done any shopping. What am I doing Monday? You know, like there's all the stress. I got to go to all the parties. You got to be at all the places. And so there's this overwhelming feeling this time of the year, or it's the continual financial struggles that are only highlighted more times uh, or seems to be highlighted more this time of the year than any other time of the year, because we feel like we've got to buy all these gifts, all these presents for all these people just so that we can keep up appearance. Like I said, maybe it's the health problems. This, this week, I was thinking about the many people I know who, who've experienced loss, loss of a job, loss of a loved one. And I'm not saying that you need to muster up some joy and in the middle of your grief and sadness, turn that frown upside down. But what I am saying is that if there's any joy in grief and loss, it's in choosing to believe that you're not alone in it. It's choosing to believe that despite what things might look like, God is Emmanuel and he's with you 
Maybe the reminder you need this Christmas is that your current reality is not the only reality. As hard as it may be, whatever it is that you're facing right now, whatever you're going through, maybe you just need to be reminded today that the same God that stepped into human history over 2,000 years ago is the same God that can step into your current circumstances this Christmas. And when God is with us, it opens up not just the possibility of joy, it opens up the promise of joy in our lives. This is good news that should cause great joy. Joy is a response to the reality of Jesus. Here's the second thing. Joy is a response to the reign of Jesus. Joy is a response to the reign of Jesus. See, Luke chapter 2, there's, there's a lot of setup. There's a lot of things that happen before we get to Luke chapter 2 that, we, that a lot of us miss or don't know about. And because the reality is this was written a very long time ago to a culture that many of us are unfamiliar with. And the language that's used in Luke chapter 2 uh, that's describing the birth of Jesus really would have hit home to the people reading it at this time. But of course, as we get away from that culture and become a little less familiar with it, we, we kind of lose the meaning and, and the depth that's happening here. And so I kind of want to let you know kind of behind the scenes what happened before Luke chapter 2 takes place. Because in ancient times, it was customary for world empires like Rome to send out a birth announcement any time there was a new Caesar or a new ruler that was born. So the way that you can think of it is it was sort of like a first century press release. So they would send it out to generate all this buzz and all this excitement. Hey, you got a new king. You got a new Caesar. You got a new ruler. Yay, you know. And so that's what Rome did. And so a few decades before Luke chapter 2 takes place, Rome sends out a birth announcement for the birth of Caesar Augustus. And and we see that Caesar Augustus gets a shout out in Luke chapter 2. And so some scholars have actually found this birth announcement of Caesar Augustus. It was found written on two stone tablets. And I want to read it to you. I want to read this birth announcement to you. It'll be up on the screens as well. But I want you to notice if there's any similar language, any similar phrases, any similar terms that's being used in this birth announcement. It says this. This is what went out to talk about Caesar Augustus. It says, it seems good to the Greeks of Asia since providence or the divine, which has ordered all things and is deeply interested in our life, has set in most perfect order by giving us Augustus, who is filled with virtue, that he might benefit humankind. Here's where it gets interesting. Sending him as a savior for both us and for our descendants. The birthday of the god Augustus was the beginning of good news for the world that came by reason of him. See, that was the announcement that all the people in the Roman Empire got when Caesar Augustus was born. Just to remind you, God's people were part of this Roman Empire. So they are also hearing this announcement about Caesar Augustus. Now, fast forward just a few decades later, an angel of the Lord comes and he uses some of the same language used. And in just in case you forget what the language is, Verse 10 says, And an angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I hope you see what's happening here. 
The angel's being a little punk rock right now. Like he's kind of saying, hey, I see what you Romans did with Caesar Augustus. I'm going to take this up a little bit. I'm going to do you one better. What the angel is saying is, hey, guess what? Caesar may have an empire, but Jesus is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is the ruler, the creator of this world. Caesar's birth was good news for the Greeks. That was it. It said that at the beginning of the announcement, that it's good news for the Greeks and the Romans. That's all that it was good news for. It was not good news for God's people. It was not good news for anybody else living under the Roman oppression. It was bad news for them. It was only good news for these Roman people. But the angel, they say the birth of this king, the birth of this baby, the birth of Jesus is good news of great joy. That will be for some people, for a group of people, for one person. No, for all people. That is the announcement the angel made. It's not just for the Greeks and the Romans. It was for them, but it wasn't exclusive. It wasn't just for God's people. It was for them, but it wasn't exclusive to just them. It was for all people. See, here's what this means. At Christmas, we not only celebrate the fact that God came, we celebrate the fact that God is in charge and that Jesus is a better version of Caesar that Jesus is a generous ruler, that Jesus is what the world has been waiting for. See, we all have things in our lives that act like Caesars, right? These false kings, these false rulers in our lives. Our boss acts like a Caesar. Our calendars act like Caesars to us. Our phones act like a Caesar. Our relationship status, our net worth, our job, what we drive, our house, our vacations, all these things are Caesars in our life. But my question is, have any of those things brought you real, genuine joy? I'm not talking about these fleeting moments of happiness like Disneyland, when you're there, you're happy, when you're out, you're not. I'm talking about true, deep, abiding, everlasting joy. My guess is those things haven't brought you happiness, have brought you joy, because they're not the king they're Caesars. And our world is filled with plenty of Caesars. It's filled with plenty of things, plenty of people that would seek to control our lives and who are, who are promising a false good news. There are so many Caesars, but according to Luke, there is only one true king. And his reign is good news that will cause great joy for all people. Because God is the God of all people. He's not the God of some races and not others. He's not the God of the smart people and the good-looking people or the most talented people. God is the God of all people, especially those who feel like they are weighed down and suffocated by other false kings that try to seek and control us. And so the, maybe today you just need to be reminded of the fact that Jesus is in control over all the things that he's in control over this world, the things going on in this world, that he's in control of everything going on in your life, that maybe today you need to be reminded that Jesus needs to not only be the center of your Sundays or the center of the nativity scenes that you have at home, but he needs to be the center of your life. See, there's nothing you should build your life around other than a relationship with Jesus. In fact, I love what Colossians 1.15 says. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, 
whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. See, without Jesus, there is no purpose, there is no meaning in your life, there is no joy. Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He was before all things came into existence, and he holds all things together. And maybe you're here today, and you feel like your life, your story, your world is falling all apart. Maybe you're wondering today, can joy really have a comeback in my life? Listen, today you need to make Jesus the center of your life. And when you make him the center of your life, he will hold all things together. That's what Colossians told us. That's what the Christmas story is about. But I think for many of us, when we hear that, we go, well, that sounds too simplistic. It's got to be a little bit more complicated than that. It's actually not that complicated. It is very simplistic. Jesus needs to be the center of your life. He is before you, he is after you, and he is holding all things together. Joy is a response to the reign of Jesus. And here's our third and last thought. And that is when we choose joy, or when we choose Jesus, we choose joy. When we choose Jesus, we choose joy. Now, I want to be very clear here. It's not that when we choose Jesus, we'll always feel joyful or nothing will ever go wrong again or we'll, we always need to be happy. But when we choose Jesus, it means that we'll never be alone. We are living in the reality of this transforming relationship with Emmanuel, God with us. See, choosing Jesus also means that we give our lives to him. We're not just giving portions of our lives or the things that we think he can handle, but we're holding on to some things. It means we're giving him our whole life when we choose Jesus. And so I think the question isn't, will you choose joy this Christmas? Like we see that everywhere. Choose joy. We see it on signs. You'll see it on social media. Hashtag choose joy. It's not that we choose joy this Christmas. The question is, will you choose Jesus and trust that joy isn't far behind? Because like we said, we're not always going to feel joyful all the time. It's unrealistic. We can't choose our circumstances can't choose what life's going to throw at us, what the world will throw at us. We can't even choose what life's going to look like when we walk outside these doors. But what we can choose is if we're going to follow Jesus. And the way that we choose Jesus is doing what the shepherds did in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. It says, when the angels went away from them, the shepherds, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. See, here's how we choose Jesus. We choose Jesus by drawing near to him. The shepherds, they hear this announcement, and they're like, we got to go see this. We got to go draw near to him. We got to go see what this Jesus is all about. And maybe that's what you need to do this Christmas. You need to choose Jesus above everything else in your life. You just need to draw near to him. And the promise of the Bible is that when we draw near to Jesus, that's when joy can have a comeback in our lives. See, what's interesting as you look all throughout the Christmas story and you read about the different characters, you'll see that they experienced joy as they got close to Jesus. We skipped over this section of verses, but I want to read them again. 
the angels come and tell the shepherds to fear not. We bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all people. And then in verse 13, it says, and suddenly there was an angel or with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The angel isn't just saying, well, glory to God in the highest. He's done it again, you know. He's not being like, hey, you better make sure you give glory to God in the highest. It's not a command. No, he's like, glory to God in the highest. Man, this is so exciting. Into your dark and horrible and difficult time, Jesus is stepping into the darkness of your world, and there is incredible joy of Jesus coming to this world. I like to think the angels were high-fiving one another. They were just so excited. They're like, Jesus is here. They're joyful about it. And so the shepherds, they're like, hey, we got to go check out what these angels are so joyful about. And so verse 15, they go and check it out. And then look at what happens when they see Jesus. Verse 20, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. The shepherds see Jesus. And after they spend some time with Jesus, they are filled with joy that they can't help but worship Jesus. There's joy in their life. But even moving way past Luke chapter 2, we can look at other characters in the Christmas story. Last week, we talked about Simeon. We talked about how he saw Jesus, and he kind of acted like a creep because he took the baby out of him and was super joyful. Like, if that happened to any of us, we'd be like, whoa, you know, you got to calm down, you know? We were not too excited about some stranger grabbing our baby, being really joyful about it. But, but that's what he does. He grabs the baby. He's super joyful because he realizes this is Jesus. This is the savior of the world. This is the one that is for him, but it's so much more than just for Simeon. It's for the, all the nations and for generations to come. He knows that Jesus is the savior, the one that we've all been waiting for, and it brings him joy. But then we look at the wise men in, Mat- <coughs> in Matthew chapter two. It says, when they saw the star, speaking of the wise men, When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. They were overwhelmed with joy. They get and they get close to Jesus, and they're like, This is Jesus. And they worship him, they praise him because there's joy in their life. But my favorite example of joy is even before Jesus was born. Mary's carrying Jesus. And and by the way, that was not a good thing for Mary. Like this was a very terrible thing for her. In the culture that she was living in, she could be stoned to death because she was pregnant. She wasn't married and she would be disowned by her family. Like there, there was a lot of terrible things. But what's really cool is that she chose to worship God instead of worrying about her problems. She chose joy over all the fear that could go on in her life, but that's for another time. But Mary, she's so filled with joy. And and so then she goes to her cousin Elizabeth's house and she wants to share the news of what's happened to her. And her cousin Elizabeth is also pregnant with another baby named John the Baptist. And so when Mary comes in the room and is going to share this news, the Bible tells us, and when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, speaking of John the Baptist, leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. See, what I love about this is John the Baptist wasn't even born yet. Jesus wasn't even born yet. But as the two moms, as having these babies in their wombs, as they got close, John the Baptist leaped with joy at the being in close proximity to Jesus. You can't get close to Jesus and not experience joy. 
The closer you get to Jesus, the more joy that you have. See, when we read the Christmas story, it wasn't the most joyful time of the year. God had been silent to his people for a very long time. They were being oppressed by the Roman Empire. But when we read about how some of these characters, as they get close to Jesus, they experience joy. And that should be a reminder for us today that in our difficult, dark, hard times, the closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to his love, to his peace, to his hope, and to his joy. You know, we've, we've called this series uh, a Christmas Spirit, the heart behind the celebration. And I think, again, we see joy so many times over this month of December. We sing about joy. We, we feel like we've got to somehow manufacture joy. Well, it's like, let's get the family, let's recreate this moment so we can have joy like we did those years ago. Or we're like, man, if I, if I just do these things, or if I do these, or if I go these places, or if I have these people around me, we're just trying to manufacture joy. Or and we don't do this just at Christmas time. We do this all throughout the year. If I get this job, or if I make this amount of money, if I do these kinds of things, I will have joy in my life. But they're just false Caesars. They're false kings. One of my favorite Christmas movies is The Grinch. Uh, uh, how many of you love the classic cartoon? Yeah? How many of you like the Jim Carrey version? How many of you like the newest cartoon? All right, well, I like them all. And one thing I like to do is I like to read my boys, The, Chris, the Grinch, at Christmas time as well. It's one of my favorites. And, and I think the reason why is because he's trying to steal the joy out of Christmas, but he's doing it in all the wrong ways. He's missing the whole point of it. And I think for many of us, we can feel like the Grinch. We're trying to, we're trying to manufacture joy, but we can feel like him towards the end of the story. We can feel like him when he says this. After he's stolen all the presents, he's up on the hill, he's listening to all the crying that he thinks is going to happen to everybody, but crying doesn't happen, singing actually happens. And he goes, how could it be so? Christmas came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without packages, boxes, or bags. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas perhaps means a little bit more. I think the reality is for a lot of us, Christmas means a little bit more. It's more than what we can manufacture. It's more than what we can try to, to, to buy into our lives or fill our lives with. The joy this Christmas is in a relationship with Jesus. If you feel like you're missing joy, in your life this Christmas, draw near to him. And the promise of the Bible is as we draw near to him, he will draw near to us and we can experience joy that's found in Jesus. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.